Hey everybody, it's uh, Storytime Tuesday again. So today I'm wearing a special shirt. Um, this shirt, I'm pointing to the wrong side of it even as I tell you it. Um, this shirt is uh, a shirt that I got in 2015 and it represented one of the highlights of my coaching career. Um, but within 18 months, of getting this shirt, I would be fired from my job and my mom would pass away from a brain tumor. And that's probably to this point, the, the lowest point of my life. And I'm going to talk about something that I said to myself, not most of the time <laughs> while all this was happening. Um, in fact, not even probably some of the time, just sparingly, because most of what I was thinking about was, isn't this horrible? And how could it get any worse? But I found a couple moments to say to myself, how can this become the best thing that's ever happened in your life? I'm going to tell you a little bit about the story of that statement and what happened since then. And I guess, I guess even before I, I get into it, I want to give a big disclaimer off the top because I, I, I guess I'm hoping some people will watch this and it will influence the way they are in their own life. But if you're listening to this and your first idea is to go talk to somebody else who's really struggling and say, how can this be the best thing that ever happened to you? Please don't, please don't. Okay. Um, if you're thinking about using this for advice, my advice to you would be listen to it again and maybe listen to it again, listen to it a bunch of times. And the first person you should ever say that to is yourself, but make sure you're ready to hear it. And I think you'll get a sense of what I mean by listening to the rest of this. So, um, I, uh, I remember being so excited to make this trip. I got to go to Baku, Azerbaijan, and this was the, um, the summer of 2015. Now, if, if I look back, um, I wasn't on great footing in the job that I was working. I was um, deeply, deeply embroiled in a conflict, workplace conflict with somebody else. I'm just not going to get into the details of it today because it's, it's really not that important to the story. Um, and I, I knew my mom was sick. Um, and, you know, part of part of, I remember even the consideration of making this trip was, you know, could, could anybody be there in Denmark with my wife and then my daughter who was just one year old at the time, because I was going to have to be away for a long time. Um, but I remember, I remember loving this trip so much because coaching in Denmark had been a really estranging experience. I, um, 
I had grown up with family over in Denmark my whole life that had always treated me as a member of the family. Um, so I thought when I moved there, I, I really thought that I was going to fit in better, I guess. Um, I hadn't been paying attention to the rest of my life. And uh, a lot of the process of coaching had been extremely lonely. Um, I will always look back fondly on this trip. If for nothing else than the experience to get somewhere, go somewhere that I probably will never go to again. We'll see in my life. And for the wonderful time I had with the other coaches um, that I went to the trip with. Um, these were three Danish guys uh, still active in coaching today. Uh, one of them's the coach of the National Training Center. One of them's basically the coach of the best club team in Denmark. And another one is the national junior team coach. Um, and it was the first time on anything like that that I really felt like uh, one of the gang. And it was, so it was, it was really, really wonderful. Um, but going into the fall, um, the conflict would completely, uh, boil over on my team that I was coaching. And, uh, I was, uh, unjustly fired. Um, and I always put the unjustly part in not, to not to defend my ego. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't think it really matters. Uh, honestly, um, but actually to say that even when the firing, the reason for you getting fired is uh, farcical <laughs> on its face, it still really hurts. Like it still makes you feel absolutely terrible about yourself. It still makes you ponder day after day uh, something uh, that something was such a big failure. You, you feel, um, you feel completely defeated in that moment, or at least I did. Um, and I, uh, I took some much needed time off, but a lot of that time off ended up being consumed with the fact that my mom, the most important person in my life for at least the first 23 years of it was dying. And, um, if, uh, if anybody's ever known somebody who's passed away from a brain tumor, it, it, it's a fate I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. Um, uh, because you know, the, the person that meant so much to me that I, that I loved, um, wasn't even really, she wasn't even really herself for most of the last two years of her life. And that was a whole nother level to deal with. I didn't really realize that until after my mom died, you know, when was, when was the last time my mom was really who I, who most of my memory of my mom was. And, um, I've talked about in this space before that uh, I would be within 12 months of losing my job. And maybe I guess if I'm dating, bookending this story four months before my mom died, that um, 
I would have to go to a psychiatric emergency room because um, I was uh, so terrified, so paranoid, um, had a sort of physical sensation of, of uh, the walls closing in on me. And um, so it, in all those respects, I, I'm sure you can understand how it was a horrible time in my life. And, and yet I still had these moments where I thought, because I knew, I knew from other smaller, or, or I thought <laughs> more like it from some other smaller scale struggles up to that point that when I got a few years away from those really, really horrible moments that I could actually look back on them and thought, wow, I'm really glad in a weird way that that happened to me. Um, so, so I would remind myself of that again, sparingly. Yes. 100%. Um, like I said, most of the time when I was talking to myself, it was, um, it, it was, it was stress and anguish and, oh God, how could this get any worse? Um, but now as I sit here today, there are many ways in which that sequence of events was the best thing that ever happened to me in my life. Do I wish I could undo some of it? Yeah, I wish my mom was still here today. It's, it's fucking unfair that she's not, that she's not getting to experience everything uh, that, that I can see around me in this moment, that she's not getting to uh, live to see her wonderful grandchildren, to see uh, the way that her, her children have grown up and, and changed and, and gone. Yeah, it's, it's uh, on that level, I'm not okay with it. But on a personal level, what I can see is that that moment, as abjectly difficult as it was, forced change on me. And that, that I guess, sort of brings us to the second part of this story. Um, and this is a story about, you know, mental health treatment. And in that way, uh, maybe not a most original story, but I, I honestly, like I look around, especially in the sports space. I, I, I used to be a college swim coach. I used to be um, head coach of a team. And I see plenty of people in that space talking about the importance of mental health, or, you know, and, and get help if you need it. And all these wonderful messages, right? Here's what I don't see. <laughs> I don't see a lot of people saying, uh, who are active, who are in a leadership role, who are, are like the person out front in a lot of these organizations saying, um, here's my own experience in treating my own, um, mental health issues. And I mean, I, I know why that is. I, I have empathy for why that is. Okay. But what it shows me is that there's still a ton of stigma around it because I know literally that 
many of those people are actively engaged in treating their own mental health. They are. But they still feel on some level as if they were a, if they were to speak specifically to what was going on with them, that it would somehow um, negatively impact them or impact the people around them. And so it's still um, treated almost as this abstract concept. So I feel very liberated. <laughs> I feel as if I can communicate openly about it. There's nothing bad that's going to happen from me sharing some of this stuff. So here it goes. Um, you know, the, of course, having to go to an emergency room for mental health reasons is a pretty good way to um, kind of get your arm twisted <laughs> into seeking help for your mental health. Um, it was extremely difficult. I remember I was, I, the, the visit happened in the US. I was still living in, the, in Denmark. I had to go back to Denmark and had to like, okay, let's, let's find somebody to talk to. Um, that was a, a multi-week process <laughs> to do. Um, and I think anybody who has sought mental health treatment knows exactly what I'm talking about that, um, that just finding somebody that's available and that you have some confidence in to go talk to like, like there's so many of these messages out there like, Oh, go, go seek help. Like it is not like, it's not like you dial 1-800 need a therapist and you just oh, great. Now you're in therapy. Now you're getting help. It, and it, it's, it's like this paradoxical thing because you know, when you're in that state, it's hard to persevere and sort of keep pushing for help, right? Like you, you don't necessarily want to do it on some level. You're, you're maybe you're thinking like, oh, I just don't want to be a bother. You know, I don't want to be a burden on people around me or anybody else. Um, that's probably a, a piece of, for a lot of people, how they get into a really bad space with their mental health is that they're, they haven't been seeking help. So, so for it to be so hard to engage help, I think, um, at least that's been my experience and, and I've had to sort of re-engage at several junctures. It's extremely difficult. Now, do I think it's worth it? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Um, in this case, I ended up finding a great therapist. We were moving back to the States. Um, and I only had three months with this woman. And when I had my last appointment, I remember I got into the car and I cried probably for half an hour straight. I just cried and cried and cried because even in that short amount of time, um, I had formed a, 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 a relationship with my therapist and now that relationship was over, you know? that therapeutic relationship was, was just going to be over. Um, and it had helped me a ton. Um, 
you know, getting forced into this situation, getting my arm twisted, as I said, it, it got me to take that first step. And although progress, you know, on my own mental health was not definitely not a straight line. And I don't estimate that it'll be a straight line for most people. Um, and I had a lot of up and ups and downs along the way. It, um, it undeniably has made a huge difference for me today. Like, you know, the, the net effect of that work on myself, it, it has a long tail to it. So even as you're working on things, um, and you're in there and sometimes you feel like you're making no progress whatsoever, or you're backsliding or this, that, and the other, um, you know, you feel the after effects of what you end up doing way down the line, way down the line. And they're, they're so much greater down the line than they were when you set out to do it. Um, you know, the, so that, that's, that's a mental health aspect of it. Um, and this is a part I can't extract whatsoever, but I've told many people this in private. Um, as I said at the, the outside of the story, I reached this juncture when my daughter was still a year old. And in the first year of my daughter's life, I, I, t I counted up <laughs> uh, on her first birthday, a very depressing total. I slept away from home 60 days out of that first year. And I never intended that for that to be who I was as a father. I never, like, I never brought the intention that I was like, you know what, you know what I want to do <laughs> when I have kids, I would love to be that dad that's never around. But somehow I ended up there quite unintentionally. And I, I didn't know how to get out of it. And thank God I got fired. Because it got me out of it. it. It got me out of a cycle where I, who knows when I would have stopped doing that. And it forced me to come home. And I spent a long time where I was doing my, my main focus of every day was to be home with my daughter. And you know what I realized? I realized it made a giant freaking difference. It made a huge difference in her life. Just that I was there. Not like, not that I was doing, like, I think we get caught up so much in the details. Like, oh, I got to do this piece of parenting right. And like, what's the right thing to say in this situation? And how do you handle this behavior? And blah, 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 blah. Like the most important thing was that I was there. Just physically, my presence was there. I was giving her a hug. I was kissing her and I was telling her that I loved her. And it may, I could tell very pretty quickly that it made a giant difference in her life. And as a result of that, when it came time for my wife and I to have a second kid. We had my son 
four and a half years later, I had a, even though I had a lot going on in scare quotes at that time, I had a very intentionally at that time, a plan that like I had to physically be present and be around and uh, do things differently the second time around that uh, that was just sort of a non-negotiable piece of my life. Um, and again, <laughs> I could tell that it made a giant difference, not only a giant difference for both my children, but a giant difference in my relationship with my wife. Um, and I think where I've gotten to with all of this, and, and this is maybe my final way in which it's become one of the best things that's ever happened to me is uh, I've realized, and this is the intention that I bring to the stuff that I do, that my priorities before anything else are number one, to take care of myself. And I don't say that as a lonely, like, I got to take care of myself because nobody else will. No, I say that as if I don't, that, that, that I need to, ah, of course, I'm using all this language that I don't want to use. It's really that I want to. I want to put myself first on a daily basis because I know that makes everything else I want possible. Okay, that's the first, that's the keystone. That's the step. I want to put myself first. Because my next two priorities, number two being my relationship with my wife. I'm like, maybe this is going to be a controversial list because I have the kids third. That's my top three, me, my wife, my kids. But I think... I can't be, I can't prioritize my relationship with my wife if I don't take care of myself. That's an enhancer. It not only makes me show up better, but it allows her the latitude to also take care of herself, to do things that are regenerative for herself. Because if I don't take that step, then every time she tries to take care of herself. She's going to feel and like people out there who know mom know exactly what I'm about to be talking about. They feel that shard of guilt. Like there's so much guilt embedded in motherhood. And so you can't pile on that guilt by taking horrible care of yourself because the, the subconscious message to your partner is, Hey, I'm, I'm not taking care of myself, so neither should you. And that's not the message you want to send. Right. And I think like a lot, I know I got it twisted so many times where I said, she's having a really hard time right now. I've got to be there for her more. And, and don't get me wrong. That's a piece of that, but I wasn't taking step one, which was, 
get Chris set up to where I, I have that breadth of energy to show up um, in greater strength for her as a spouse. And then my children, you know, I, um, I know I have a duty to them. I know I have a duty to love them. Um, I do love them. And I, I, I guess, why do I put that after myself? Because I think I, I know <laughs> that more than anything, the influence that I have on my children is by the example that I set. Okay. So if I set an example where I, one, don't take care of myself, what will they learn? They will learn to not take care of themselves. If I set the example, therefore, that I am not good to the person that I've chosen to be in a relationship with for life, then what am I teaching them? That it is not worth it to show up in a great way for the people, for the relationships that you choose in life. And I just don't. I just don't believe in that. Um, so that's my story. I, uh, I got a really nice response after last story time. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it. Um, if you want more general sort of positive psychology based advice, you can uh, follow me on Instagram, Christy underscore coach. And uh, Facebook, Krista Sands Coaching or CD Swim Coach, I think is the the slug after there, my website, Christy Coach. We've got some new photos taken last week. Uh, so I'm looking to update that relatively soon for everybody. And um, there'll be probably some more story times in the future too. So I hope you guys enjoyed this one. And uh, I'll talk to you again soon.